What's up, what's up? I love it anytime the intro video starts with deep bass music. I feel like I should just kind of dance my way up here. I should. <laughs> it's great to be back. It was an amazing several weeks in Southeast Asia. And after over 20 years of leading these kind of trips, there's a few times where I've seen God invading a country so powerfully. So uh, keep in, uh, tuned to this. We're going to plant a church over there uh, soon. So we're, we're stoked about that. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're starting a new series called Blessed. And my question for you this morning is, what if you made a discovery that changed your whole life? What if you made a discovery that changed your whole life? That's what happened to a man in Northern California. His name is Lauren Kreitzer. He was struggling to live in our state on 200 bucks a month. You know, that would be very challenging. He had been in a, in a very critical accident that almost took his life. He had lost his leg through that and struggling to survive. He actually had to send his children off to live with some other family members. And it was in this predicament that he found himself as he was sitting and watching TV one night and on TV, it was one of those shopping uh, shows, and someone auctioned off a Navajo blanket for $500,000. As that happened, he had this thought, because he had inherited a Navajo blanket from his grandmother. Now, here's what had happened. He had gone to, to get his inheritance, and the, the whole house had been pillaged by other family members. And so all that was left was a trash bag with two blankets. One of them was a Navajo blanket that his grandmother had used when her pet cat had a litter of kittens. It's what had been used to just keep them warm at night. But as he's watching this Navajo blanket bring $500,000, he thinks, well, maybe I could get maybe... $5,000 from this blanket, $5,000 would change my life. He takes out the blanket, it's got cat hair all over. He walks it up to the TV and matches up the lines and they're the exact same as his blanket. So he decides to take it to an antique dealer. The first one he takes it to he says, no, that blanket wouldn't be worth anything. He goes to another one and they say the same thing. Then he goes, I need to go to a, uh, an expert in Navajo goods. When he takes it to that person, that person says, this is authentic. This is made from the finest materials. This is actually an Navajo chief's blanket. Let's take it to auction. He walks into an auction and 70 seconds later, he walks out with his life changed. The blanket auctioned for $1.5 million. He went from, from basically being homeless with a car that was uh, broken down to being able to walk out. First of all, he was reunited with his family and took them on an all-expense-paid cruise. <laughs> he bought a house for them all to live in, bought a second house for a rental property, and bought a brand-new Dodge Charger. <laughs> he said, in one moment, my whole life was transformed by this inheritance that I didn't even know I had. Can I tell you, people of God, that you have a far greater inheritance than a Navajo blanket? And I find, sadly, that so many Christians are living a life like Lauren Kreitzer where they're relationally 
emotionally and spiritually bankrupt, while all the while in the recesses of their life, they have this glorious inheritance from the King of Kings. And that's what the book of Ephesians is all about. Let me just make a confession. It's intimidating for me to preach through Ephesians because each verse is just pregnant with meaning. It's like a magnum opus uh, of theology. So we're going to focus in on this one theme. As I was seeking the Lord while I was gone, I felt like we should highlight this theme, which I actually believe is one of the preeminent themes of the whole scripture, and it's that of blessings. And another thing we're going to do a little differently, if you know me, I usually preach through the NIV. It's the the most popular translation of the Bible, but we're going to look at several different ones. And in case you don't understand translations, you open up your Bible app and you wonder why there's so many different ones. What scholars do is they go back and they visit the original language of scripture. And so for the book of Ephesians, it's written in Greek. And we're going to be looking at two different translations primarily today. The Passion Translation, uh, done by Dr. Brian Simmons, who was a, a missionary to South America and a Bible scholar translator. And his goal was to capture the emotions of Scripture. Secondly, a very popular one named The Message. And Eugene's Peters, Eugene Peterson's whole idea was to catch the, the concepts and put them in, in language that, that we'd really get in our modern day. So we're going to dive in to these different translations today. And of course, I'll visit the NIV because that's what I love to do as well. But we're going to start in chapter one, starting in verse one. So if you track with me today, I highly encourage you to take notes because you'll remember way more of what you write down. So starting in verse one, it says this, dear friends, my name is Paul and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who've been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. So if you're taking notes, which I hope you all are, point one is this. Blessing number one that we see in Ephesians is God makes us friends. God makes us friends. When you come into church today, I don't know how you normally see people. Maybe you're a business person, and so you think of people as clients or potential customers. That's not what the scripture's talking about. Maybe you're uh, a student, and so you see other people as classmates, or maybe you've had a hard life, and so you're wary of other people, or you see them as potential predators. Can I just tell you that when you stepped into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he made this group of people friends. I wanted friends so bad growing up. Like, that was my greatest desire. Can I just tell you, there's no greater place to find true friendship than the church, than the people of God. Let me, let me just tell you, when you walk into this room, you don't need to wonder, like, do people like me here? Am I accepted? Am I? No, this is a group of friends. You are wanted here. You are accepted here. You are treasured here. And so don't, don't come into church wondering, you know, what do people think? Do I have to get dressed up a certain way? You know, when I go over to my friend's house, I'm not worried about what do they think and how am I dressed? And, and also never go into church as a consumer, right? You don't go in, well, that worship, you know, it's a little too loud or a little too techno or I didn't like how Stephen's hair bobbed up and down or what. <laughs> 
Maybe I'm speaking from my heart right there. <laughs> I'd have, I'll have that here in heaven. Uh, but, but, and oh, the air condition's a little cold. Well, praise God, we have air conditioning. You don't, you don't come in as a consumer. You come in as friends. And you look around this room. Can I just tell you, 0.5% of the population in a five-mile radius of our building, only 0.5% go to any kind of church. Can I tell you, we need to be on the same team. We need to love each other. Like the people in this room, they're your friends. Hey, actually the people in all the other churches around, they're our friends. They're not our competition. They're our brothers and sisters that we love and we want them to prosper and to succeed. Amen? So that's how we start this chapter. And then we jump into the message translation, verse three. I love this. It said, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love. Can I tell you, some of you this morning are going, does anyone love me? Does anyone care? Can I tell you, the king of kings is making you the focus of his love. Woohoo! That's good. To be made whole. To be made whole. God's making you whole today and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Number two today, God is blessed. And God is a blessing. If you want to understand, you're thinking, okay, well, what's this whole sermon series about? And what does the word blessing mean anyway? You know what blessing is? God. You want to understand what blessed is? Look at God, right? Some of us think, well, I'm not blessed because I don't have a lot of money. What a shallow view of blessing, right? That's just one little subline in blessing. I was thinking about how is God blessed? Listen to some of these aspects of who God is. God is blessed in having all wisdom, God is blessed in having all knowledge. God is blessed in having all power. God is blessed in having the fullness of the Spirit. God is blessed in having perfect love. God is blessed in having supernatural health and healing. God is blessed in having all riches. God is blessed in having all authority. God is blessed in having the best relationships. God is blessed in having the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And listen to that next line. It says this, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. Do you understand that the father of blessings wants to shower those on you? You're like, oh, I don't know. You know, this is one of those churches talking about blessing. No, this is one of those churches talking about the Bible, <laughs> right? How many of you that are parents, you love to bless your children, right? I, I love when I get blessed because then my children get blessed. That's so exciting. Someone blessed me this week with a $60 in and out card. Like, I didn't have to wait for my inheritance. I, I got it this week. And you know what I said to my kids? I was so excited because I said to my kids, go order anything you want. My boys had double, double animal stuff. My, my little nine-year-old went up and he was like, I want a milkshake. I loved it. I loved, as a father, I love that God loves to shower 
his blessings. You know the problem is, is when we get more into the blessings than the blesser. That was good. It says this, he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. He takes us to the high places of blessing in him. How? Because this, it says, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. When a orphan gets adopted, they receive the blessing of the family. I had a moment where I was working with my, my daughter in my study. We're sitting at the piano. I, I have a long history of being in, in musicals and productions, and so my daughter was trying out for Annie in her school play. So we sat down at the piano, and we worked out. She had to sing this song that little orphan Annie, you know what play I'm talking about? Little girl with the red afro? And uh, she has the, the, the rich... The, the, the rich daddy Warbucks, Mr. Warbucks, richest guy in the land that, you know, consults presidents. And, and so Annie and Warbucks sing this song. And so I'm, she's going to have to sing this for a tryout. So I'm practicing with her. And we're singing it. And, and the song goes like this. It goes, together at last, together forever. We're tying a knot that no one can sever. As I'm singing that, classic me, I start crying. She's like, Dad. <laughs> I don't need sunshine now to turn my skies to blue. I don't need anything but you. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. It's like Warbucks and Annie. And then Annie goes, I'm poor as a mouse. And he goes, I'm richer than Midas. But nothing on earth could ever divide us by now. I mean, the tears are just pouring. Right? Why? Because it's this redemptive story. It's the story of humanity. It's God's heart. Why do you think Annie keeps getting played throughout high schools, throughout the world? Because we're in love with this topic of an orphan who was mistreated, all of a sudden being the daughter of the wealthiest man in the country. Can I tell you, that's your story. That is your story. You've been adopted. And it's this beauty of her just coming to life and being blown away by this family she's come into. And it's the story of the, the man, Warbucks, and his heart is just full of love and the pleasure you see as he's adopted this beautiful little girl and now she's his. That's your story, right? You don't need sunshine now to turn the skies of blue, right? That's your song. Now it's so beautiful. Listen to this. In him, we have redemption through his blood. I've changed to the NIV now. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Under Christ in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you believed. You were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, so much to unpack, a theological feast right there. So, so let me help illustrate this through a story. Just got back from, from Southeast Asia and 
We were working, you heard Matt talking about us being on the beach. We were working with these at-risk children. Can you show the, the picture of this, this group of, of young 20-something long-term missionaries we worked with? They were amazing. They had a heart for these kids. These kids are, are being exploited. They're being sent down from the northern part of this island down to the southern touristy beach, and they're made to sell bracelets all day long, but much worse things are happening to them as they're working from sunup to sundown. And so this sweet group of, of missionaries is going and playing with them on the beach to just help them have some childhood, but then they're also teaching them English through Bible stories, one, so that they can give them an education to give them uh, a launch pad out of poverty. Secondly, they're giving them the gospel to save their souls and give them Jesus. And so it's just awesome. And we're, we're on the beach with them and, and they have us share the gospel. And there was tons of new kids and, and different ones of them gave their life to Jesus. But then this, this group said, hey, would you go up with us to the north? Because we're trying to nip this problem in the bud. We're trying to go to the root and trying to bring this village in the north that's sending all these kids that are getting exploited. We're trying to give them education so they'll understand that there's something better for their kids than them getting exploited down here. So we go up to the north, and what had happened just a short time before is this group, these adults standing on the outside, they had gone up to the school where these kids in the north are being educated. And they had gone in to say, can we do our English program and, and teach through the Bible? Well, the first man they met, we'll call him Koman. That's a, a, a normal name for these guys. And they met him and they told him what they'd like to do. And he said this, he goes, my uncle is the Hindu high priest of all of the North. And so let me call him. They're going, oh my goodness. You know, what's he going to say? He gets... Back, back to them, and he says, my uncle says he has a building he wants to give you to do this program. So, so they go, and they start working in this building, and they start teaching kids English through walking through the Bible, and so our team goes up there and plays games with these kids, and our family acts out a prodigal son's story, and, and this man, Coman, who'd opened up this whole thing, is standing there. Now, Coman, as he's standing there, the, the, the leader of this thing, the girl in the, in, the, in the tie-dye shirt says, Robert, he has a bracelet on. I think you should talk to him about his bracelet. Now, let me explain this bracelet. I think I have a picture of these bracelets. In their religion, they go to their temple and then they're given these bracelets by the priest and the, and the bracelet is black, red, and white. And it tells a story and it, and it symbolizes their gods. And you ask them why they're wearing it and they say, we're wearing it for protection. Well, the amazing thing is what I found as we travel to scores of countries around the world is God's always put keys, little deposits of the truth to point people towards the one true living God, Jesus. And so as we were in this country, they said, hey, use the bracelet to explain the gospel. Black. I mean, remember those power bracelets? Some of you are old enough to remember power bracelets that we wore in junior high to explain the gospel, right? It's like the whole island is wearing power bracelets. And so I'm sitting there talking to Coma, and I said, hey, let me, tell, let, let me show you a picture of him. I'll, I'll show you how intense this is. Uh, this is me and, and Coman in front of his family temple, his family temple. So they have their own, he takes me up there, shows me his family temple. And, and, 
And so now I'm sharing with this man who's the, who's the, the most influential guy in this whole village. And I said, hey, come on, let me just show you a little picture. I said, you got this bracelet on. Now, I'm gonna, this is the one time I'm ever gonna give you permission to just play on your phone. Can everyone pull out a phone? If you have a phone, pull it out. I wanna show you something right now. I'm gonna show you how I, watched Com- I walked Coman through the gospel. I've been doing this for years, so it was super simple. I go to my notes. If you have a new iPhone, go to your notes. If you don't have an iPhone, download Doodle Buddy. This is, this is so easy. Uh, is it working? Okay, um, this, is, this is a big feat for me. I'm not a millennial. Uh, I'm gonna try to put this up. Awesome. Look at that. Thank you. All right. So we're going to draw something. So I said, come on, I want you to, um, you just take your little marker thing, just take your little, and you can draw a note. So I said, come on, here you are right here. And I said, there's you. And here over here is God. And everyone I know wants to be with God. Now, come on, I noticed that your bracelet is black, red, and white. So look, God is white. And what I mean by that is, has God ever done anything wrong? No, he's pure. He's the creator God. He's the almighty God. He's never done anything wrong. And that's symbolized by white as snow. And, and, and so there's God over here. Now, the problem, come on, I said, is that color black. See, on their bracelet, when you ask them what black means, they say it means death. And I said, that, that's the problem for us is, as, as men, and so uh, men and women, mankind, is we have death at work in our life because of sin. I said, have you ever cheated, stolen, lied, lusted? Of course I have. Well, you see, that separates us from a holy God. It, it makes us black, and so I just shaded in man as black, and I said, now, look, if you're, if you're dirty, anything you touch is dirty. Anything you do is dirty. So look, it just falls short of God, and so so it's like we're separated. It's like you're on one island. They get this because this is an island nation. I go, it's like you're on one island and God's on another. And no matter how strong you are, you could never swim that far. So we got it. I said, so what happened? I can't get to God. So God comes to me. He makes a bridge. So I drew a bridge. I said, let me show you what this bridge is. I said, what's this? The amazing thing is everyone in the whole world knows what a cross is staggering. So he said he made a bridge, and that bridge is the cross. And on the cross, Jesus died. You see, Jesus was perfect. And Jesus actually took our sin. So I, I drew that sin on him. And I said, now the amazing thing is, come on, you have that red on your bracelet. Here's the amazing thing that's going on in this nation. Whenever they're going to build a new building, they believe the land is defiled. So they kill an animal, usually a chicken, and spread its blood on the ground to purify the land. It's called charu. I said, have you ever you know, heard about spreading blood on the ground to cleanse the land? He's like, of course. I said, you know, that cleanses the one land. It's called charu. But what if you needed to cleanse all the people in the world? One chicken can't do that. I said, but that's why Jesus died. He was the charu for you. His eyes get all big. So I said, so Jesus died, and when he was pierced on the cross, when they pierced his hands and feet and stabbed his side, his blood ran down. And look what that blood does. The Bible says this, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. But the body says it's by his wounds that we are healed. And so his blood covers over all our sin. Jesus was the charu 
for you. I, I, I've done this for years in the States, just showing how Jesus' blood, I don't say charu, no one knows what that is, but I say Jesus' blood covers over our sin. We can't do it, no matter how good you are. You can't make yourself clean. Only Jesus' blood can cleanse you. And I said, so look, Jesus then, his death and his shed blood on the cross makes a bridge for us to go be with God. Look, black, red, and white. You're reunited with him. He goes, I've got to stop you right there. He goes, I have a story. He goes, just this year, I was trying to do what my brothers have done, what all men try to do here in, in my island. They try to go and work on the cruise ships because you can get paid 10 times the amount that we can make in our country. So I was applying and I got accepted to Carnival Cruise. I was about to go and work on that. He goes, about a dozen years ago, my, my father died. He goes, the, I was going the next day to work on the cruise ship and my dad shows up in my dream. And he, he's angry and he says, you cannot leave to go work on that cruise ship your life is here. Your work is here. Stay in this village. He goes, so I stayed. And he looks at me and goes, and now you're here. I said, yeah, that was God. <laughs> I said, God sent that dream to you because he wanted you to hear this message. Do you believe this message? He goes, I believe. I go, are you ready to give Jesus your life? I am. Do you believe that he died on the cross? I believe. Do you believe he raised from the dead? I do. Do you believe he's the way to salvation? I do. He prayed with me right there. He gave his life to Jesus. After it was over, he looks up and we're talking and he goes, I believe I'm the gateway for my people. Ha <laughs> ha! Look at this. Um, show the picture with Hallie and these kids. These are, there were 120 kids we were working with that day. This was the first man to come to faith. What I found out is that 20 years ago, they killed the Christians up in this village. 10 years ago, missionaries were going up to reach this village and they stoned them. I'm glad they didn't tell me that before we went. <laughs> I found out afterwards. This is the first man, a gateway person, the man of peace for this whole village. And now we can share the gospel with all these children freely. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. Can I just tell you that God is opening up nations that have been closed for centuries. And now the first believers are coming to the Lord in this hardest area of this country. The gospel is power. So I showed him one more thing. This, the scripture says this, it says, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So I showed him one more thing. I said, the amazing thing is, Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And when you are connected with God, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. That's how this is different than any other religion. Come on. Jesus is not one among religions. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He sits enthroned and he actually puts his spirit inside of you. All religions are man trying to get to God, but not Jesus. Jesus is God coming to man. And he actually puts the living God's spirit inside of you and you're made new. Amazing. Let's go on. It says this, for this reason, 
Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul's saying this, I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's saying, hey, I know these truths are so profound that just hearing them, it's really hard for you to wrap your mind around. So that's why me, Paul, your apostle, your teacher, is just praying and praying and praying that you'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that would come on you so that you could actually know God better. Let me just tell you, this is the prayer I prayed over my life more than any other prayer. I keep asking this prayer, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, it takes God to know God. God wants you to know him, but he wants to give you the supernatural gift of wisdom and revelation. Don't just read the Bible like a textbook. Ask for God to illuminate your mind so that you can supernaturally have a knowledge of him, right? Can I just tell you the greatest goal of your life should be knowing God. If you're looking for a life goal, here it is right here. More than success in your business, more than a great marriage, even though that's wonderful, more than a a healthy whole family, the greatest gift in life is knowing God. I thought I'd get a lot more amens. Let me try this again. Let Let me show you a different scripture. It doesn't seem like you believe me yet. It says this, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, Let not a mighty man boast of his might. A lot of people want to be wise. A lot of people want to be really strong. They spend all their time trying to pump up and get strong. Let not a rich man boast in his riches. There are millions of people chasing after riches, but all of this is saying, don't boast in wisdom. Don't boast in riches. Don't boast in strength. But what should we boast in? But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. There is no greater gift on earth than knowing God. It is the greatest blessing for a human to know him. And so that's why Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I want you to ask that while we're in this series, I double dog dare you to read this book yourself. Don't just listen to me teach it, but read it yourself every day for the next six weeks, praying God open the eyes of my heart. Let my eyes of my heart be enlightened. Why can some people read the Bible and it's like there's a veil over it? Because we need that supernatural enlightenment of our eyes of our heart being open. That's why Paul's saying, I'm praying for this for you people. I'm praying that you'd understand how good God is, how wonderful he is, that you'd see him clearly, that you might know the hope to which he's called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Do you know when you really know God, you know hope? Let me say it this way. If you're hopeless today, this is gonna be really strong. If you're hopeless today, you're living like a practical atheist. If you're hopeless today, you're living like a practical atheist because God is hope. He is hope. And so there is no situation that he cannot bring hope into. So I'm not down on you. I'm just saying, cut it out. Because when we know the God of hope, then our life is hopeful. 
Why? Because listen to this, the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people. He has in a holy inheritance for you, both in this earth and even more in the one to come, right? You're in a training school learning to rule and reign with the king of kings. That's what this life is. And then listen to this, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you believe that God is more powerful than your problems? Do you believe that God is more powerful than your problems? We get hopeless when we actually don't believe that God is who he says he is. Right, well, I'm stuck in this addiction. I, I, it can't be broken. Well, then you're saying that your addiction, your tiny little addiction is more powerful than the power of the king of kings and the ruler of the universe. There is no addiction he can't break. I don't care how weak you are. There is no addiction he can't break. Well, there is no financial problem he cannot solve. There is no relationship he can't heal. There is no body too sick for him to restore. Do you understand that when we say we're hopeless, that we're saying, I don't believe in the incomparably great power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So there's never a hopeless situation. I don't think you're believing me yet. I'm gonna have to keep preaching. I'm telling you, he is the God of hope. He is the God of hope and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That is a lot of power. It raised a dead person. Jesus did not become a zombie. Jesus was raised and became the King of Kings. He sits at the Lord's right hand and that power is living in you. You have power. You have power to forgive. You have power to overcome. You have power to stand in persecution. You say, oh, my job is so hard. You have power to stand up and love people in, a, in an antagonistic job, right? There is no situation that you cannot overcome because of the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I'm not trying to get you hyped. I'm just trying to get you to believe in the word of God. <sighs> Let's finish with this. All this energy issues from Christ. I'm back to the message, by the way. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything at the center of all this. Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Welcome to the cutting edge of the universe this morning. You're here. You found it. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Back to Southeast Asia. I love being on the streets and talking to people there because it, sometimes they'd say, yeah, you, you have your religion, I have mine. I'd say, oh, no, 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 this is not a religion. I mean, all religions are man's attempt to get to God. They're trying to work hard enough, pray enough, go on the hodge, give enough to the poor, trying to be righteous, that's a religion. But this is about a relationship with the one who's seated on the throne, the creator. No, all, all, all other, I mean, do you believe this? I'm not denigrating other 
people or other cultures. I love them, but can I just tell you that Jesus came for all peoples. He's not a Western God. He's not an American God. He is the God of gods. He is the King of kings. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He sits on a throne alone. There is no other God besides him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's living in you if you've accepted him. And there is great hope for you. That's what we're preaching on these next six weeks. Why don't you stand up? Today, this is what I want to do to end our time. I know in a, in a, in a room living in a broken world, there are situations that are causing hopelessness. There's depression and despair there's brokenness in, in marriage. There's pain in, in families. There's bankruptcy. There's, there's need. But this is what I want you to do today. I want you to close your eyes. Everyone just close your eyes. And I want you to take your biggest problem before the Lord. And sometimes I just do something physically. So if you want to just take it like this, I just take it with my hands. And I just say, God, I give this to you. And I thank you that you are hope for the hopeless. And I thank you that your power is greater. And you just take it. If you are in an addiction today, I just want you to start thanking God that he is more powerful than your addiction. You can just start saying, Jesus, you're more powerful than my addiction. If you're in relational brokenness today, you can say, Jesus, you're bigger than my relational pain. If you have, if you're just dealing with mental issues today, maybe it's suicidal thoughts, maybe it's depression, despair, maybe it's nagging voices, you can just put your hand on your head and say, Jesus, you are bigger than my mental problems today. You are bigger, you are more powerful. Maybe you have a physical ailment, you just put your hand on your body. Maybe it's, maybe it's a heart problem. Maybe it's a stomach problem. I don't know what it is, but you put your hand on your body and say, Jesus, you're bigger. Jesus, you're more powerful than my sickness. Jesus, you are. So Lord, I pray right now. I pray for my friends. I break off hopelessness in Jesus' name by the authority of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Lord, we break off financial brokenness. We break off any spirit of poverty right now in the name of Jesus and say, greater is he than who's in us than he that's in the world. We break off addiction, every addiction to cigarettes, every addiction to alcohol, every addiction to drugs. We break that off every addiction to pornography. We say, you're more powerful, Lord Jesus. You can break every addiction. And so we're asking for the power of God to come right now. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you, God, that we can walk in hope, not because we're getting hyped up, but because your word says you're the God of hope. Prayer team, quickly come forward. I just need some, some prayer leaders. If you need someone to lay hands on you and agree with you today, maybe it's a sickness in your body. Maybe it's a hopeless situation. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. You're like, Robert, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. Just start coming forward right now. Just step out 
of your aisles and just start coming forward. We're gonna wait for you. Maybe it's a problem in your marriage. Maybe it's a prodigal child. You just come right now. Maybe you need housing and it just hasn't happened. Maybe you need a new job. Just start coming. Let's believe for God to bring a breakthrough. And if you're like, that's me, but I'm a little embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. This is a, a room of friends. Just start coming right now. Whatever your need is, just start moving forward and let give us a chance to pray for you while we sing this last song. Let's give God, the God of hope, the God of power, a chance to work in your life. We're just proclaiming we believe in you. Let's just lead us out, Stephen.